0: today, my topic is on real dangers of the quarrelsome wife. And I'm going to go through the following scriptures that you can reference. The first is from Proverbs 21.19. Better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and ill-tempered wife. Proverbs 12.4. Wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. First Peter three one wives respect and obey your husband in the same way. Then the husbands who do not obey the word of God will want to know God. They will want to know God because their wives live good lives even though they say nothing about God. And then Genesis 2.18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will, help, I will make him a helpmeet for him. And then the last verse, and we'll, we'll tie all these together, is from Deuteronomy 33.29. Blessed are you, Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. He is your shield and helper slash helpmeet and your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you and you will tread on their heights. So as we look upon this landscape of God's word to answer this question, what is the danger in a quarrelsome wife? And so we're going to start with the first top. And and many people may be, Start from that proverbs twenty one nineteen about oh it 's better to live in a desert it 's like dripping water um, there 's a bunch of things within proverbs, and I think often the first place we go is sort of a very superficial yeah, of course we don 't want to have someone quarrelsome yeah there 's something not good about having quarrelsome yeah that 's just a given. But when we do that, it's sort of like acknowledging, but that's a convention. That is the way life is. It's perfectly acceptable. It's not ideal. It's sort of like a social faux pas. You know you're not supposed to ask certain inappropriate questions at a party. You know you're not supposed to burp or make other bodily sounds. And being quarrelsome is sort of seen in that vein. But I will argue that Scripture has a far deeper intent and to ignore this is is grave danger and this is important for uh men and for women it's to discern within themselves this quarrelsome nature and and we can get a little bit into that but for men is to have discernment into not to go into this situation in a relationship if you can obviously before you're married and if you are and it is in this situation, it is worthy. It is worthy of deep discernment and discussion. Because let's take a look. It's it's not an inconvenience. He says the two opposites in Proverbs sets the two goals. The goal is to be the crown. This is something very noble and it's very achievable in the sense that um, it's it's, it's about someone's character. It's not about a physical attribute. It's about the cultivation of one's character. But disgraceful, which is sort of behaving in ways that bring upon disgrace. And the quarrelsomeness leads to that. It can be ridicule. It can be in the form of humiliation, um, disrespect. And that creates decay in his bones. This, this is not a social faux pas. We are seeing death uh, within this. And I'll, and I'll get to why I believe this and why it needs to deserve great focus. So the converse the converse is from First Peter and also the same as in Ephesians, wives, respect and obey your husband. Now the same way is talking about there's a mutuality in terms of uh, obeying the word of Christ to bring the other one to Christ. But it is important to s- sort of note that that is If we had to pick what is the opposite, it will be respect. It is not to be a doormat. It is not to accept all opinions. It is not to state your opinions. It is not meaning to have no opinions. Respect is the opposite of being quarrelsome. By its very nature, when you are quarrelsome, you are not showing respect. But even further, if even deeper than this, the nature of the quarrelsome is opposition. It's opposition, right? When you're quarreling with someone, you're not quarreling with the person you agree with. You quarrel to oppose and, and to, to bring down in a way that lacks respect and brings shame and humiliation. That's a very different concept. So let, let's take a look at Genesis 2.18. And I think a lot of people are missing the essence of what this means. And they interpret, I will make a helpmeet for him, and then referring to him. And then people then take the, the colloquial term of helpmeet or helper and use that in the context of the modern age. A helper is like a maid or a servant. and. That fails to look at its use and context of an Ezer Kedengo. And um, th- that, that, that term actually is used not just in reference to women, it's actually used in other contexts, particularly as related to God as a helper. And so the same intent, the same word reference to being a helper or helpmeet is found. In other places in the Bible, and, and I'll use one example which I think really illustrates it, is in Deuteronomy thirty three twenty nine, where he says, He is your shield and helper and your glorious sword. And in this context, it is used for uh, Israel to seek God's help uh, against his enemies. There's a military context. There is a battle going on. And I believe when we it's it's not just one. There's there's multiple verses in which that context is there. And so if we understand that sort of as a uniformity, sort of a continuum, where the notion of the Ezer, the help meet, starts with woman and man, but extends back to God and and in the Israelites, that, that there is something more significant around the notion of a helpmeet. It really is almost literally a military uh, uh, assistance. It's, it's military support. It's, it's, it's sometimes used in the context of being a savior. So I would say the image has been misappropriate as that of a maid, and really let's think about it. It's your shield, your helper, and your sword. So, so I would say a, a comparable image would be a shield and sword. And I would say that that is when you are really trying to support. You cannot be in opposition and be the help in this case. You cannot be the, there's no concept of a sword and shield that is in opposition to the one wielding it. So if that's the case, if by not being a help is the result of being quarrelsome, Quarrelsome is then the same as depriving someone in battle of shield and sword. So I would say that that elevates and it is now consistent with the connotation that there is decay and there is something at stake. Conversely, the positive version is something that brings respect is not subservience. It is there to help and to bring out the best of the man. Now you could say, well, the man respects the sword, and that's probably true. But the sword and shield respect the man in the sense that it doesn't move unless the man moves. And that's a very powerful and differing image. And I and I would make the case then oftentimes the quarrelsomeness, the reason why it's so destructive, it is depriving man of a shield and sword in battle. And that's the image that I would say is the one to like take hold of if there's a quarrelsome spirit. This is what is happening. It is someone in battle with no shield and no sword. And that should be taken with some seriousness and some honor as opposed to, I don't want to do this. The moment it's, well, I don't want to do this, That this is grave danger. Imagine... A shield and a sword in the middle of a battle. So, you know, I, I don't really feel like being kind of available as a sword. Maybe you you go out on your own, and um, good luck to you. Th- think 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 through the implications of that. I would then say, the converse can be true. One that is of great power. Imagine a a successful uh, warrior who has a shield and sword that fits perfectly, that's been built for weight and size and physiodynamics. And And that really allows him to win. Now, is it doing what it's saying? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I would hope that the shield when uh, the man says, hey, I need to block something, let's go here, does it. Um, and, and that's a form of sort of re- respect, it's following the, the guidance and the leadership of the man. The quarrelsome version would say, you know, yeah, you know, uh, I know you want me to block on your left, but why don't we just try on the right instead? Like like think through that concept. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't really work. I want to then introduce a modern comparison based on some studies that I think, I think will shed some light to this so it's not just one side and that's about airline pilots and if you see the marital union is the same as a pilot and the co-pilot I think this starts to make sense so let's say the quarrelsome is my will over yours I'm opposing you so imagine you're the passenger on a plane and you see the pilot and co-pilot fighting the pilot's saying, well, I think we should go up. And the co-pilot says, I want to go down. The pilot says, I think we need to slow down. And the co-pilot says, I think we need to go faster. Like you're sitting this and watching this quarrelsome nature. You see him pulling the stick one way and the co-pilot yanks it the other way. You, you would not want to be on that flight. I mean, I wouldn't want to be on that flight. And if you were that pilot, you probably would not want to fly with that co-pilot again. Like that that just seems fraught, completely fraught. But... Would you say that they're completely equal? Like they have an equal voice and they vote and they do it. There, There is a um, submission to this. But I don't think the co-pilot walks around feeling bad about himself saying, Boy, I got to submit to this co- this pilot. You know, when he says something, I got to do it. Man, that really sucks. Maybe I'm just going to resist it. I'm just going to tell him my piece of my mind. I, I don't think... We would envision that. I don't know if the pilot or copilot would ever see that that's acceptable, yet sort of modern secularism has sort of said that's what it should be, that there should be a opinion gets expressed, and it has a complete equal ground, and you have to do battle with it, and maybe sometimes it's the copilot's decision, and you have to run with it. like it just there's something out of order with that, but at no point. Would anybody on the plane say, "Oh, I, I don't really value that copilot. It, it's it's better if they weren't there at all. They, they they just they might as well just be sort of a limp, some whatever." Like like no one would do that either. That that wouldn't exist either. And so I I I really think that there is a concept that is unlocked when you talk about pilots and co-pilots. And so I think that is actually a very powerful concept between the two. When we start moving from submit to being, you know, something from a maid or a bondage movie or some torture scene or some, some something archaic and medieval, and we start seeing it in maybe a pilot, copilot, that, that, that I believe starts to become. a a little bit better and then we start to shape and then we can start to say well why can't women be the pilot and men be the co-pilot and i think that that's a separate conversation one that we certainly could have but hopefully at least at this grounding if we look at scripture it does appear to seem that scripture does want the man to be the pilot and the woman the co-pilot now there's a legitimate perhaps argument that well scripture is wrong or I don't read scripture that way. And that perhaps is a separate whole separate dialogue uh, to address that. But for now, I believe that if we look at the dangers of a quarrelsome and liken it to two analogies, one of which is, it is the, 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 the man in battle with no shield, and no sword. That's the result of a quarrelsome wife. And the second comparison is the pilot and the co-pilot. And the co-pilot is completely being at odds with the pilot. Let me know what you think um, in the comments, um, anywhere for further clarity about what you think about this approach to the quarrelsome wife and the real dangers thanks for listening